What's happening, everybody? On today's show, we're going to talk the latest in SEC recruiting with John Garcia from Sports Illustrated. Get the latest news on Arch Manning and some other big names around the SEC. Also, the College World Series is set with Auburn punching their ticket on Monday night. Half the field is the SEC. No surprise there. At Texas A&M asks the SEC to suspend Nick Saban over his comments regarding their recruiting. How ugly is this feud going to get? Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. Great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. we got plenty to jump into before we talk to John Garcia. So let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start... In Omaha, as Auburn is off to Omaha for the second time since 2019. Their sixth trip overall as the Tigers will play Ole Miss in an SEC reunion on Saturday night on ESPN2. Auburn finishes off Oregon State. So all eight tickets have now been punched to the College World Series. Texas A&M, of course, was the first one to earn their berth. But what about the SEC West? From the Aggies to Ole Miss to Arkansas to Auburn, they are well represented. And, of course, number one overall seed, Tennessee. They became the 22nd straight number one team to fail to win the national title as the Vols lost to Notre Dame in the Knoxville Super Regional. Crazy to think that the number one overall seed was the only SEC team that played last weekend not to advance. But uh, nonetheless, the field is set. Half the field is current SEC teams, and really, if you want to consider future SEC teams like Texas and Oklahoma, six of the eight teams in Omaha are SEC teams. We talk so much about football and how the big, you know, the the expansion of the SEC is going to affect football and basketball and all that. I have to throw baseball in there too. Going to be crazy having Texas and Oklahoma in here. And uh, just shows how deep this conference is and how it will be with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma very soon. The feud between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher just will not end as On3 Sports reported this week that Texas A&M President Catherine Banks and AD Ross Bjork told Greg Sankey the conference should consider suspending and fining Nick Saban for his comments. This came in a letter the morning after Saban alleged that Texas A&M's football program bought every player on their team. They said, we wrote to uh, express Texas A&M's disappointment and outrage in the recent statements made by Nick Saban regarding name, image, and likeness. Coach Saban's statement was a blatant violation of SEC bylaws regarding sportsmanship. His statement is false and beneath the dignity of the SEC and corrosive to the fabric of sportsmanship. Look, I give Greg Sankey props the next day where all he said was, yeah, uh, we publicly condone it and uh, let's move on, guys. I will say this, though, with Alabama opening next season with Utah State, it wouldn't mean much if he got a one-game suspension. If they wanted to suspend Saban for two games, well, of course, week two, they go to Austin to play 
the Texas Longhorns. That might have an effect on it, but uh, Aggies, come on, guys. Let's move on. Let's put this behind us. Suspend Saban. Find him okay, maybe, but suspend him. Come on. Although if the Aggies had their choice, I bet they would say suspend him for uh, first week of October and uh, not coach against A&M when they come to Tuscaloosa. But we'll be at SEC Media Days in a couple weeks. It will be a story that will not go away anytime soon. Speaking of next, next college football season, Joel Klatt from Fox Sports. He put out his top five teams heading into next season. On social media, of course, three of his top four teams he has coming from the SEC. Alabama, number one, Ohio State, number two, Georgia, three, and Texas A&M, four. The Crimson Tide outlasts the Aggies and Bulldogs on his list. Georgia, of course, the reigning national champions. Uh, A lot of people think they're going to be good. They just don't have them ahead of Alabama with Bryce Young coming back. And, uh, you know, we'll see if the retooling of the receiving core will uh, get Bryce Young and Alabama right back but a lot of people picking Alabama over Georgia it's a little weird though like Georgia loses a lot in the defense short but you get Stetson Bennett back you still got a loaded backfield there I could hear an argument maybe we will at some point this summer that maybe you could have Georgia ranked ahead of Alabama it's hard to with Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and all those pieces they got on the defense they are going to be monstrous over at LSU, their star wide receiver, Kayshawn Boutte, he had an injury that prevented him from participating in spring practices, but looking like he's back to 100% or at least close to it. According to a report from the Jordi Collada show in Baton Rouge, Boutte has been cleared for full speed running for about a week. So that is good news as uh, he appeared in six games last year with 38 catches for over 500 yards and nine touchdowns. If he's ready to go week one, that's going to be a big boost for LSU. And lastly, over at Arkansas, KJ Jefferson getting set for his senior season. According to 24 7 Sports, Jefferson said, I do think I'm one of the top quarterbacks in the nation right now, but the main thing is I just want to be humble. If I just keep getting 1% better every day, then my play will take care of itself. Jefferson was rated as the number one deep passer in the SEC last season, outgunning Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker for that title. And there you have it. That is the latest news going on around the conference. When we return here on Locked On SEC, we're going to talk all things recruiting with our buddy John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated. That is coming your way in just a second. But need to remind you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. Our friends at Built are always coming out with new amazing flavors. And the new one that is out now is the Mud Pie flavor. For the first time ever, the new Mud Pie flavor in both Mud Pie Bar and Mud Pie Puff. If you're not sure what Mud Pie tastes like, if you're a fan of chocolate, you better sit down for this. The new Mud Pie Bar is rich whipped cream and chocolate mousse smothered in 100% real chocolate and topped with cookies and cream crumble. I just got a couple of them in the mail this past weekend. They did not last through Sunday night at my house. Uh, if you go check them out right now, you can see all the specs on them. Of course, Built Bars, low calorie, high in protein, low in sugar. The Mud Pie is packed with 16 grams of protein, only 150 calories, and 8 grams of sugar. And, of course, you can go check them out at Built.com. And when you throw the Mud Pie bars or puffs into your uh, checkout, uh, cart, you can uh, use our promo code LOCK15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 that'll get you 15% off your order use our promo code LOCK15 get 15% off over at built.com 
Roll along here, Locked On SEC. Uh, quick reminder, the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft starts June 16th with over 50 insiders. Nothing equals the Ultimate NBA Mock Draft. Uh, first pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. All right, well, let's jump into it. Love to talk all things recruiting with our buddy John Garcia Jr. from Sports Illustrated, and he joins us now. John, what's going on, man? Welcome in. Uh, good to be on with you, Chris. Just uh, another day in, in the beautiful world of recruiting, which it seems like June is a little busier than we're used to, but I think that's a sign of uh, the new times in, in the business for sure. Yeah, John Garcia, Director of Football Recruiting for Sports Illustrated. And, John, I wanted to start here just kind of broadly. I saw tons of visits happening all across the SEC this past week. How busy is this time of year for the players and coaches? You know, it used to be kind of pedestrian. It used to be just about college camps, maybe working out to solidify your offer or getting that green light if you're a priority at a given school. But now with the official visit window, in conjunction with camp season in June, it's become the prime uh, grounds to begin your official visit slate. There are droves of top prospects that are trying to condense the month, you know, weekend by weekend by how many official visits they can possibly take. There are a lot of recruits that want to take all their visits in June, make a decision in July or August ahead of their senior season. So June has become kind of the new December in college football recruiting. I don't think it will replace the drama of that month with flips and commitments and signings, but it's certainly where a lot of moves have been made, and obviously the SEC right in the thick of of a lot of these conversations. And it seems like every single school had a big weekend. Florida had double-digit official visitors. Bama had Arch Manning and a host of other blue-chip recruits. A&M had some key recruits. Tennessee hosted multiple, you know, elite wide receiver recruits. Georgia, Georgia. Uh, same kind of slate uh, in Athens as well. So it seems like these recruits are going like round robin. Like I'll go to Bama this week, <laughs> then Georgia, then Tennessee, then Florida, then I'll come back home to Auburn or, or LSU before all said and done. It's like it's becoming where every weekend you're just trying to keep track of who's where, much less what's happening when they're there. Well, you kind of mentioned it, and I was reading your article up at SI.com, the national quarterback dominoes continuing to take shape. And the headliner, of course, is top recruit Arch Manning. I know we talk about it every week with you, but a little news with him this week. I know this weekend he made his visit to Alabama, and, of course, the picture of him in the Alabama jersey circulating (laughs) everywhere. So uh, get us an update. Where are we with Arch Manning this week? Look, I, mean, I think him taking that Bama visit confirmed a lot of what we had suspected. Not only will the Manning camp follow through with every visit that that they plan, but Alabama's trying to grab him as well. I mean, this is not a situation where they've got Eli Holstein and they're just uh, kosher and like, oh, we're good at the quarterback spot. No, they want to add Arch Manning uh, to that fold or maybe a Dylan Lonergan, who's, who's now set his verbal commitment date uh, for the first week of July. Uh, so Bama wants to take two quarterbacks, and they're swinging in the state of Louisiana. They got one on board in Holstein, and, of course, now they would love to pair him with an Arch Manning. Uh, so, you know, obviously, anytime he makes a visit, it's a big deal, like you said, especially when, when he puts the pads on and, and rocks that number 16 that we all, of course, associate with that family anyway. It, it does make a lot of headlines. But really, these visits, we're told, when it comes to Manning, is about the details. It's about the intricacies of – Bill O'Brien's offense, Nick Saban's offense, and how Arch actually fits into it. He's been to Tuscaloosa a bunch. He's been same thing with Athens and Austin. It's really about getting down to the nitty gritty on these trips and answering any question 
that has yet to be answered or maybe expanding on some of the questions that have been answered on the surface level. So it, it is a little bit of flash when you get the jersey on, but, but we're told these trips are about really sitting down with play callers, with decision makers to figure out just exactly how good a fit uh, this might be for both parties uh, and, and get into some of the play design and, and all the stuff that they would you know want to feature if Arch Manning was their quarterback one day. So uh, we're not going to get a whole lot of, of, of intricate details about the visits in terms of what he did, who he hung out with. I mean, that stuff is great, uh, but really for the Manning camp, it is about uh, the details right now. And, and this is a, a really close decision that, you know, every time you make a phone call about the Mannings, it's it's like it's a different answer. It's it's well, we're hearing this buzz, and then it shifts, and then it's like, well, don't forget Alabama. You know, so that's been the prevailing thought in this race. You know, still, I think Texas is is probably in the best shape, especially with with that trip coming up this weekend. But Georgia's nipping at their heels, and, and everyone you talk to about this thing, Chris says, man, don't sleep on Saban and Alabama, which is like something we shouldn't have to say in recruiting, but. In this case, we're still having to say it, uh, and I think that's how valuable Arch Manning is, and I think that's how good of a recruiting staff, of course, uh, Nick Saban has uh, at his disposal right now. Yeah, my favorite part of all this, John, was seeing uh, the Alabama and Georgia fans on social media going back and forth and Bama fans saying, see, he looks happier in the picture at Alabama than he's visited <laughs> Georgia. It's like, oh, my gosh, like just analyzing. Right. You know, like it's the Mona Lisa. We're going to break down the pictures of him in the jerseys like uh, like nobody's business. Do you get a vibe or a sense for, you know, a, a time frame on when an announcement would be made? Because I've heard some people saying, look, the end of the summer might make sense. He seems like the type of kid that would say, look, I want to just play my senior year and put all this behind me, maybe late July, early August. He says, here's my decision. Any idea on a time frame here, an announcement? I think if it's Georgia or Alabama, he can make the decision at any point. I do think if Texas is the front runner or very close, I think there's a lot of reason for him to not only – you know, take in what Steve Sarkeesian is selling, but see how that is implemented during the season early on uh, in the fall. You know, so I do think that the longer the timeline lasts, the better it is for Texas. And right now, the earliest window is late summer. So I do think that has some folks thinking that Texas is in really good shape here going into this visit. Um, and then there's some other schools that are hanging around, right? He threw at LSU's seven-on-seven camp. Uh, leading into that Alabama visit. Uh, and then there's a little bit of buzz about him visiting Florida unofficially to, to re-establish that relationship with Billy Napier, which did kick off uh, when he was at uh, Louisiana as the head coach there, of course, uh, with Arch being a New Orleans kid. So there is a little bit of extra factors in this Manning recruitment, but generally the timeline remains unchanged as far as we can tell. Late summer is the absolute earliest window. But there is a true desire for the Manning camp to see, with Texas in particular, how things look in 2022. I think with Georgia, with Alabama, things are pretty stable, right? Uh, same head coach, same OC, same quarterback, same offense. Like, we kind of know what we're getting. With Sarkeesian, it's only year two at Texas. Going to be a new quarterback, most likely. Different weapons, different opportunity uh, with the Longhorns. So I do think that creates maybe a more of a desire to, to extend it into the fall just to be sure that schematically uh, and philosophically Texas makes the most sense because, you know, if they have another five and seven season, you know, that sell to Arch Manning will, will look a lot different regardless of how successful the offense is. So I think if you, if you go with the stable options, uh, Bama and Georgia or Georgia and Bama in this case, uh, I do think that it comes at the end of the summer, but I don't think we see anything 
sooner than that because there is this Florida visit that he appears to be flirting with. Uh, LSU got him on campus for a camp. You know they want to get him on campus again for a traditional visit as well, if at all possible. So I do think it extends at least a little bit longer. Continue our conversation with our buddy John Garcia, Jr. from Sports Illustrated. And, John, uh, just one more with the quarterbacks we've been touching on. Nico Iamalieva committed to Tennessee a while back. Is that still firm? Because I've seen, look, some people are saying, uh, some fan base is saying they think they could still get in on him. But at least from everything I've read and seen, seen, it seems like he's pretty firm to the Vols, right? Yeah, I, I think that's a lot of wishful thinking from where I can tell. I uh, saw Nico over the weekend, talked to him at the 7-on-7 the seven seven in Vegas. And, yeah, everything's still about Tennessee. He's rocking the Tennessee hoodie while he's playing. His dad is calling the plays for a 7-on-17 seven seven with a Tennessee bucket hat on. Uh, he's recruiting for the Vols pretty openly out there, signing fan autographs, all that stuff. So it, it really feels the same uh, for Nico. Uh, I think he's more concerned with competing and, and potentially, you know, upsetting an Arch Manning as maybe the number one quarterback in the country. He certainly looked like the best quarterback out in Vegas, and it was a loaded uh, lineup of passers uh, that participated. So, yeah, I think that would be far-fetched. Uh, he is certainly invested in, in the Tennessee Volunteers. They've taken, gosh, five, six, seven visits since his commitment at this point. It seems like they're in Knoxville every weekend. Uh, I know there was a Bama assistant coach that went to go see him in the spring over at Long Beach Poly. Uh, but his father told us that, you know, they hadn't even made contact. They were just filming him to, I guess, send back to Saban and Bill O'Brien and company, which, again, as we said, you know, they're looking for two quarterbacks in this class. So they're going to cast generally a wider net than most programs. But I, I do think uh, that Nico is really solid with Tennessee. Again, they're, they're helping build, uh, especially on offense, uh, a pretty great class in Knoxville. So I don't see that changing uh, anytime soon. John, let's touch on a, a couple of the other guys from around the SEC. I know uh, big news this week, four-star offensive lineman Bryson Sanders out of the state of Tennessee, committed to Ole Miss. Uh, what do you like about Bryson Sanders? I think he's a swing lineman. I think he could play right tackle. Uh, he could play guard. Uh, there's even some talk about him playing center at a school like Ole Miss, and I think that's a really smart uh, move for him, right? It creates more value uh, and a little bit uh, a speedier of an emergence into that uh, starting offensive line one day. Uh, but I think, you know, no disrespect to, to Bryson in particular, but, man, you just got to love Lane Kiffin reacting to things that happen in Tennessee. It's like he was – he did it with baseball, right, with, with, the, with the College World Series taking shape. Of course, Tennessee not making it. Ole Miss did make it. And then the next day he goes into Tennessee and takes a lineman that, that Tennessee was really high on in Bryson Sanders. But Ole Miss offered him first. Uh, and, and there was certainly a lot of buzz for the Rebels for a long time with Bryson Sanders. They got the first official visit. Other schools had been up and down with him, not so much with the Rebels that have kind of been consistently prioritizing him. So you just knew that when, if and when Ole Miss won that recruitment, that Lane would have something to say about it. So he fires out a classic tweet that says, hey, not everyone in that state hates me because, of course, one of the state's premier linemen is, is now an Ole Miss Rebel commitment. But this is a really solid player. Uh, and bold, you know, he told me, hey, I'm, I'm going to be an All-American and win, win championships in Oxford. I mean, that's not something we talk about on the football front very often. So you love the confidence of, of the newest Rebel commitment. Only, only four commits so far for Lane Kiffin and company, but with what they've been able to do in the portal, we know that uh, you better not sleep on, on that class as it develops because we know there's going to be some college prospects added to it down the line. But certainly a good pickup and, and optically 
a big win for Lane Kiffin, who, who doesn't miss on those opportunities. Yeah, and for those who missed it, Lane also found the tweet of Bryson Sanders' visit to Tennessee where he took pictures and retweeted that. So it's just uh, anytime he can put the knife in and dig it in a little bit deeper, Lane Kiffin is going to do it. Uh, one other guy I wanted to touch on with you, John, uh, Joshua Miller, three-star old lineman who Georgia just flipped from Penn State. Uh, what are the Bulldogs getting in Joshua Miller? Massive road grader kind of classic. This is almost like a, a Sam Pittman offensive line commitment. You know, when, when he was at UGA, it seemed like they were going after the biggest, baddest run blocking lineman. And I think, you know, Miller fits that uh, to a degree, even though there are two O-line coaches removed from Sam Pittman. And, and I think when, when you flip prospects, it adds juice, right? It just feels like a bigger deal. Um, and, and look, Georgia's got a new O-line coach. They need to overhaul that position that they've had a lot of experience uh, players uh, make big plays uh, for them over the last couple of years. So they need uh, a different tune and volume up front. Uh, and, and one, it's not the greatest O-line class, you know, in 2023, I think the depth is not really there at certain spots. Uh, so any bodies you can collect early on is, is really important. But when you flip them from, you know, another school, it, it just adds another feather in the cap. So flipping a Penn State O-line commitment feels big. Uh, for Georgia, they they flipped a Notre Dame corner uh, earlier in the cycle, Justin Rett from Las Vegas. Uh, so Georgia's always going to be in the, in the mix to flip prospects, change their minds uh, on the recruiting trail. And Miller is is the latest example of that. But but yeah, Georgia's O line recruitment recruiting feels different uh, in this class of 2023. There's not a whole lot of guys we feel like are are locks to the Bulldogs. Uh, so when they do get commitments at that position, it, it's really critical. Uh, and important because they do need to overhaul some of that uh, on the current roster. So certainly a big get, but again, it just feels bigger when you flip them. We love talking all things recruiting with you, John. I'm actually going to throw it out there to our listeners. We have John on every two weeks. So if you have a recruiting question you want to get into John in the future, uh, hit us up, send us a DM on, at Locked On SEC on Twitter. You can find my email address there. I bring this up because I did get a tweet from a listener last week, and I told him I would bring it up to you. But an Auburn fan, Great. a little upset, John, a little worried that – Auburn only two names in their recruiting class so far is I, I mean I'm looking at obviously you know Arkansas is starting to get a, a good bit of names but as we are right now I mean it's not time to panic right if you only have a couple recruits yeah I, I wouldn't say it's time to panic you know I think a lot of schools are still in that five to six range or maybe a little bit less uh including you know big brother over in Tuscaloosa so it's it's not time to panic now if we get to August, you know, or in, in, in the depth of that July dead period, and you're still sitting at two, maybe you start to panic a little bit, especially relative to some of the targets that you've had on campus that appear to be closing in on the decision. Quarterback Brock Glenn, who, who's going to be the headliner if he picks Auburn, you know, he's making a commitment soon, but now Ohio State has offered him Florida State, got him on campus last weekend, and it looks like he's going to take other visits before making a final call. Auburn had him on for an official two weekends ago and felt good coming out of it, but then the Buckeyes offered. So certainly something to keep an eye on, although we do think over the longstanding period of building relationships, uh, his, his standing with Brian Harson is really strong, and I would probably project him to end up at Auburn. But again, you get a, a big-time college football playoff offer, and it could start to change a lot of things. Uh, and then they hosted some, some big-time local talent over the last few weeks as well. Running back Jeremiah Cobb, I think, is, is squarely uh, in the crosshairs 
for the Tigers. And then uh, defensive end Keldrick Falk, who visited this past weekend, uh, is, is very much a local prospect about half an hour away from campus, uh, who's very high on Auburn, Florida State and Florida, the primary competition there. So if you if you get into the meat of July, when there is a dead period, no visits, and those three in particular are either committed elsewhere or have yet to commit, then maybe you start to panic. But I do think Auburn's going to start to pick up the volume just a little bit. So I, I wouldn't hit that button just yet. Yeah, big year for Brian Harson, not just on the football field, but on the recruiting uh, realm as well. John Garcia, Jr., Sports Illustrated, of course. Give him a follow at John Garcia underscore Jr. on Twitter. John, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. All right, there he is, John Garcia. Junior of Sports Illustrated, always enjoy our conversations with him. And again, drop us a line if you got a recruiting question for uh, coming weeks with John. He's going to join us every couple of weeks to talk all things SEC recruiting, and he knows his stuff. He's on top of it. He's out there uh, talking with the prospects and um, and getting an idea on where they stand and why they make their decisions and all that. So jump on it. Great resource to have in John Garcia, and we love having him. Uh, every two weeks to talk all things SEC recruiting. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Now you go make your second listen. Check out the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast as our experts give you an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest rankings, and, of course, big boards. Follow Locked on NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. Talk to you guys later in the week as we get you set more for the College World Series as uh, four SEC teams, all from the SEC West, have as good a shot of any to win the title. We'll break it all down for you on Friday's show. Talk to you guys then right here on Locked on SEC.